celebrate Mother's Day today, right? Baby dedications and baptisms, that's what it's all about. I, I, I read about any reality show television fans, do you guys like reality television? Is that maybe? Okay, well just stay with me then. Don't go to sleep. I, I, I read about a new show that you might want to watch. Uh, it's it's kind of like Survivor, except different. Apparently six men are going to be dropped off on a place called Mother Manjaro Island. Okay, and, and each man is going to be assigned a minivan, and they're going to have three kids for six weeks. Okay, and each kid, each kid plays two sports and takes either music or dance lessons. Okay, there, there's no, no access to fast food, yet each man is supposed to feed the children. So how's that going to happen? They, the, the, the guys are to do all the shopping, keep the assigned house clean, break up all the fights, collect all the homework, complete science projects, do all the cooking, and not only do laundry, but... This is the unreasonable part. They have to fold it and put it in the right place <laughs> when it's done. So, oh, by the way, each man is required to get the four-year-old in the group to eat green beans. They will have to wear makeup daily, which is to be applied while driving the van or making school lunches. That's the way it's going to work. Now, there, there's a judgment element. There's some creativity they're going to be judged for. They have to write cleanup songs they have to craft dinosaurs out of toothpicks and tortillas, and they're supposed to buy groceries for four on a budget for two. Now, the, you haven't even heard the, twi the, the plot twist. The plot twist is that the weekly winner gets to go home. <laughs> the losers have to stay. All right, so truth be told, I made that up. But I, I, I'm just being honest, I don't think I could survive that. I don't, I don't think I could survive under the circumstances and challenges that you moms face day and night. I, I think that I probably speak for dads everywhere when I say, when you leave, hurry back. <laughs> All right, look, I, we... We don't know what we're doing, and we're really afraid, and when you're not there, it's worse than you think. Okay, the, the mess, it just tells part of the story. So what are we here for today? We are here to honor God, learn about His truth, and to say with one voice to moms that we love you, we live in awe of you, what you do and what you have done and we are, all of us, blessed by your investment in our lives. We honor you for your drive to thrive in the divinely appointed position of motherhood. Now, we're going to read a passage of Scripture today from Proverbs chapter 31. And in this passage of Scripture, and if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, or you can turn on, open up your phone and find it, Proverbs 31... In this passage of Scripture, God paints a picture of what a virtuous woman, a virtuous wife, and virtuous mom looks like. 
And there are clues. This picture comes with clues that tell us how to thrive in that role. Now, the context of this passage of Scripture, it's actually written by a guy named King Lemuel, and he's reminiscing about his mother's advice on how he should look for and pray for a wife, a woman to be his helpmate, a partner as queen. Now, as expected in his culture, the painting is of a married woman, but as one commentator pointed out, this is really a poem about womanly excellence. Each verse of the poem begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it progresses all the way through that alphabet, revealing that this woman's excellent character is complete. Now, I, I want to say, guys, I am uh, in, in a culture where people can't figure out what a woman is. This is really important. But I just want to say, anytime we open God's Word, anytime we open God's Word, there are dynamic principles that we can all glean from and apply in our lives so that we can be the best version of ourselves, so that we can do exactly what God put us here to do. So nobody can zone out. This is God's Word. It is it's life for us all. It's life for us all. So Proverbs chapter 31, beginning in verse 10. King Lemuel, this is what his mother taught him. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with either hand, eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers the field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. 
honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise in the city gate. In the book, The Proverbs 31 Lady and Other Impossible Dreams, Marcia Drake writes these words in the preface. Proverbs 31 has been both a marvelous model for the Christian wife and, and the cause for, of more guilt for her than anything else. When those verses become the pattern for a, and listen, when those verses become the pattern for a do-it-yourself project, frustration, guilt, and disillusionment can only result. When seen as what the power of the Holy Spirit can accomplish, those same verses are winsome and hope-filled. Now, I want you to understand, Proverbs 31 is essentially a poem, a list of aspirational virtues. Okay, and these virtues don't appear because of the work that we do. They are a byproduct of a life that is lived in submission to God. They are about any, by the way, any spiritual fruitfulness is a byproduct of our faith in Jesus and our being plugged into him. Okay, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is only possible if we're if you're living your life in submission to God, and these aspirational values can become your reality because of the power of God. Now, we're going to look at four of the virtues that were mentioned in this poem. Virtues of a woman of noble character. First, the woman of virtue understands the inherent value of what God has called her to do. She understands the inherent value of what God has called her to do. It is plain to see that God esteems the virtuous woman. Look back at verse 10. He says, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Listen, a woman of noble character is a rare breed, and therefore in God's appraisal, she is, her value far exceeds that of rubies. That's easy to understand. It's a truth. It's God's appraisal of a woman of virtue. But what we need to see in this passage of Scripture is that she too sees her life and her calling as valuable. And what does that value do? It provides the vision she needs to embrace her call, to bloom exactly where God planted her. No matter your position, listen, being a woman, a wife, a mother, Doing it with excellence requires a vision of your divine value. Because listen, heavy lifting is required. There is nothing easy about being any kind of person of virtue, but that is certainly true about being a woman, a wife, and a mom of virtue. This is no role you can coast in. 
Look at the virtuous activities revealed in this passage of Scripture. In verse 13, she works with eager hands. In verse 15, she gets up when it is still dark. In verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. In verse 17, she sets about her work vigorously. In verse 18, her lamp does not go out. In verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. That's quite a list. It's overwhelming. But you know what that's not? It's not a description of an apathetic, indifferent, visionless woman. It's not. The picture that's painted here is of a person who is doing what God has called her to do because she recognizes that it is the most important thing she can be about. There is no higher calling. No higher calling. Some of you have probably heard, I, I talk about him quite a bit because I love his books, but there, there's a guy named Tony Campolo. He's a brilliant Christian sociologist author, speaker, and he spent much of his time traveling around the world inspiring and informing generations of believers to welcome the kingdom of God, to do everything we can do to advance his kingdom. His wife, Peggy, who by his own admission is far more capable, much more brilliant than he is, she chose to stay at home and pour her life into raising their kids, Bart and Lisa, and I'm not making that up. Don't, they're, they're really, their names are Bart and Lisa. They, they were born before the Simpsons. So, so when their kids were young, she would occasionally find a way to travel with Tony and find herself in conversations with some of the most powerful, sophisticated, impressive women in the world. And sometimes, as a stay-at-home mom, she felt that. She, she felt intimidated. And she would question her own self-worth in the shadow of these women. So Tony pulled her aside one day and said, Honey, and I'm quoting, Why don't you think of something you can say when you meet people? So they'll know that you value what you're doing and you think it's important. And so soon thereafter, they were at a party, and a woman walked up to Peggy, and in, in a condescending tone, she said, And dear, what is it you do? And she was ready. She responded, I'm nurturing two homo sapiens into the dominant value of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might become instruments of social transformation to turn the earth into this eschatological utopia which God has envisioned from the beginning of time. What do you do? <laughs> and I'm not making this up. The woman replied, uh, I'm, I'm just a physicist trying to discover the cure for cancer. <laughs> listen, listen. There is supreme value in blooming right where you're planted. 
And there is supreme value in being a wife, a woman, a mother of virtue. Embrace it. Embrace it. How, how, whatever that looks like for you. This is not about staying home. This is about pursuing God and serving your family in the way that God leads you to serve your family. But don't ever minimize the importance of being a woman, wife, or mother of virtue. Second, she demonstrates a sense of humor when things go off script. Okay, look at verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Now, you have to love the fact that in God's word, dignity is coupled with a sense of humor. You have to love that. The woman of virtue is dignified. She is diligent. She works hard. But when she's done her part, she recognizes that there are some things she can't control. And rather, by, rather than being controlled by her loss of control, she is strong enough to see the irony and laugh. Children happen. Toddlers toddle. She knows that while she may prepare for her day, she, for her menu, for her company, for her sleep, the reasons for her planning are going to torpedo those plans. It happens all the time. But a woman of virtue will laugh at the unexpected chaos, showing grace and mercy to those people who ruin everything. She can laugh at the days to come. And those days will come. Third, the virtuous woman is a skilled and faithful teacher. Look at verse 26. She speaks with wisdom. She speaks with wisdom. And faithful instruction is on her tongue. Now, the, the word translated wisdom there literally means skill. Okay, in the Hebrew, it means skill. So the virtuous woman speaks with skill regarding timing and delivery. So her message doesn't fall on deaf ears. It is important to speak intentionally with great timing and good delivery. But listen, it's not just about how she speaks or when she speaks. For the woman of virtue, it is also about what she speaks. What did that verse say? Faithful instruction is on her tongue. Now the word we translate faithful instruction there literally means gracious or merciful law. Gracious or merciful law. The merciful law part of the teaching understands that God's instruction is a merciful revelation of the keys of life. He didn't have to tell us how this works. He didn't have to show us the way to go. But he chose to in his grace and mercy. It is literally 
insider information about how to cooperate with the way God designed the world we live in, which will always, when we're cooperating with that, it will lead to peace and freedom. I didn't say it will eliminate hardship. The peace comes in the midst of the hardship if we're living according to God's instruction. And then there is freedom to know that we are doing what God has called and created us to do. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. David wrote, I have run in the path of your commands for you have set my heart free. There is freedom in truth. And the faithful, consistent, winsome instruction of a mom implants that truth into the hearts of her children and so they can be free to be all that God has created them to be. So a virtuous woman teaches the words of God skillfully and intentionally. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. And like any skilled teacher, she understands that she can't teach what she doesn't know and she won't teach what she doesn't show. So not only must she master the material by spending time with God in His Word, by getting to know Him in prayer. Do you know? It's not just about knowing the material. A woman of virtue lives the material. not just what you know, it's also what you show. Skillful, faithful teaching doesn't just happen. It's not an accident. It's a byproduct of time spent with God and a decision to live for God. Which leads us to the fourth and final characteristic of the virtuous woman. She knows and understands that her worth is found in God. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. One of my mentors once told me, he said, Christopher, the man is the leader of the house, but the mom is the foundation. In other words, the things that matter most to moms are the things that the family will be built upon. What matters to you is what your children will remember about you. Not yet. That's it. We're, we're jumping ahead. Hold that thought. How am I going to get to football from here? Clemson football at that. What matters most to you is what your children will remember about you. So is it clean house or clean heart? 
Is it a right, right behavior before men? Or a right relationship with God? What you value is what your family will value and pursue. You set the tone. And listen, that, that may feel pressurized. You may feel like that puts a lot of pressure on you. But it's still true. It's a high and holy calling. And what God says here is if you do your part, he'll do his. You focus on God honoring input and do what you do and persevere and you can trust him with the outcome of your faithfulness. Listen, we, we know it's a difficult job, but when you do it God's way, with his grace, it can launch your children to live a life of freedom and peace. It requires sacrifice. But in, in the end, in the end, your children will know the truth that can set them free. If any of you know who that picture was, you're not going to be surprised that I'm going to tell you that I recently read a story about a guy named Perry Tuttle. He was an All-American receiver at Clemson who led the football team in 1981 to our first national championship. And in that game, in the Orange Bowl against Nebraska, he caught the winning, the pass, secured the victory, and he was featured, shockingly, he was featured on Sports Illustrated... That's the picture right after he caught the pass. Now, he, he turned out to be a first-round draft pick for the Buffalo Bills. And at some point after leaving Clemson, he became a believer in Jesus Christ. And when his playing career was over, he became a sought-after speaker and author. Now, he tells the story about one of his teammates at Clemson. His name was Carl Martin. And I'm, I'm just going to quote this story that I found. Every football team has a Rudy, and ours was Carl Martin. Carl was a short, blonde-haired defensive back who knew that he wasn't going to go on, he, he wasn't even going to play on Saturday afternoons unless it was a blowout. Since Carl was a defensive back and I was a receiver, we got in a fight almost every day at practice because he would hustle on every single play, and I hated guys who practiced that way. One day, after my career was over, I was speaking, and Carl Martin, who is now a pastor, was introducing me. And when he got up to speak, Carl Martin held up an old gray T-shirt that read, T-S-T-S-P-T. All-American. Okay, T-S-T-S-P-T, All-American. That stood for Too Small, Too Slow, Perry Tuttle, All-American. He wore that shirt, listen, he wore that shirt under his practice pads every day for four years. And Carl explained to the crowd that day that he wore the t-shirt because he decided that while he was 
too small and too slow, he was going to make Perry Tuttle an All-American. Carl dedicated all four years as a walk-on, Perry Tuttle saying this, to make me better, to help me reach my potential. He went on to say, in college, I thought it was all about me. I thought I was just that good. But that day in the convention center, I learned that Carl Martin was so much better. Carl understood his role to be making Perry Tuttle the best player he could be. Listen, his role on the team is not unlike a mom's role in the family. The woman of virtue intentionally lives to make her family members all they can be. Listen, moms, you are nurturing homo sapiens into the dominant value of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might become instruments of social transformation to turn the earth into the eschatological utopia which God has envisioned from the beginning of time. That is not an insignificant call. Your job is mission critical. Don't ever apologize for it. Embrace its value. Do it with a sense of humor. Skillfully and faithfully teach God's ways and do it in reliance upon God. And what happens when we choose, all of us, when any of us choose to be faithful with what God has assigned to us, He, by His Holy Spirit, will empower us to do the work. Listen, moms, it is a divine appointment. Do it with grace. Handle your responsibility with care and trust that God will do his part. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that we are all of us created in your image. And in your image, Lord, there is great responsibility. For women to be people of virtue, to be virtuous wives, virtuous in the marketplace, virtuous in the home, virtuous for their children. Father, that that list of things can be intimidating, but it's never impossible. Because with you, all things are possible. Father, I I thank you for every mom that is represented in this place. I pray, Father, that if there are moms that are discouraged, that they've, they've lost vision for what you've called them to do, I pray, Lord, that as you have spoken through your word today, you would call them back to the purpose for which you've entrusted them those great gifts, the gift of children. Father, I pray that all of us in this room would have the wisdom and the insight to be an encouragement to those moms that we admire so much. 
thank you, Lord, for the way you love us through them. Give us the ability to reciprocate that love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I've alluded to it today, but I, I want you to know all things are only possible through Christ. If I was giving a motivational talk and I got you inspired to go out and live up to the the level of the virtuous woman described in Proverbs 31, it's it would be hopeless. But with God, empowered by his Holy Spirit, it's possible. Let me tell you, for all of us, whatever God's calling us to do, it's possible in Christ. Now, if you're you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, let me tell you the most important thing you can hear me say today. God loves you, believes in you so much that he sent his son to step out of eternity and into time to live a perfect life for you and me to die on the cross he was buried as we saw in the picture of baptism today he was buried and raised after three days and if you place your faith and trust in him you'll be connected to your creator and have abundant life and eternal life life unimaginable life that you cannot have apart from him. So the most important thing that you can hear me say today, place your faith in Christ. He makes it possible. He gives us the life that we've always dreamed of. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. I pray, Lord, that if there are those in this room today who do not know you, that today would be the day where they transferred their trust to him. Thank you, Lord, for sending him to give us life. Thank you, Father, that in that life you have a plan for us. Whether it's to be a mom or a dad or not, you have a perfect plan. There are good works that you've created in advance for us to do. And we know in him we can do it. So, Father, bring us to faith. And by your spirit, lead us to faithfulness. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.